Blog Talk Radio. Hello, America. This is Billy Jones, author of Everyday Folks Books, and today is Saturday, November 4, 2017, and I thank you for listening to another phenomenal segment of BJ Speaks, an interview with. Today is a very special day because I'll be interviewing four of my dear colleagues who are phenomenal in each and every way, members of the South Florida Writers Association who will be appearing at the 2018 Miami Book Fair International. If at any time you'd like to speak to me or any of my dear colleagues live on the air, you may do so by calling 347-539-5372. Again, that is 347-539-5372. And if you're shy and you prefer to inbox me with your questions, comments, or requests, you may do so at everydayfolkslisten at gmail.com. Again, that is everydayfolkslisten at gmail.com. And so I'd like to share with you a couple of updates, and then I'll introduce my first guest. So Everyday Folks has been very busy. Thanks to you, we now have over 3,600 listeners worldwide representing 15 nations, which is a great feat for us. So we're very grateful. And then secondly, this platform is to celebrate the achievements of the creative arts, individuals who are making inroads and strides in their respective industries, they're making an impact, and it's you why we do the things that we do. And we do these things to ensure support and quality and a continuation of the creative arts legacy. So with me today is my dear colleague, who I'm so esteemed to have her on air, is my dear colleague, Kara, who is the author, by the way, of one of the coolest titles I've ever read. Unrequited <laughs> love and other French kisses. <laughs> how are you, Kara? Hi, how are you, Billy? Thank you for having me on. Can so you hear me? To, I can hear you quite well. Can you hear me? Yes, thank you. Well, thank you for being here. And I, I do have to ask, this title that you have <laughs> is a, a, a catchy title. Where did you come up with such a title? I just thought it up because um, I was thinking about all the people in the world who have so many unrequited relationships. And, um, and then one of my poems is um, about French kisses. So I put the two together and it happened. <laughs> it was catchy and everyone wow. liked it. I, I actually had one of my groups vote on several titles. And um, that's the one that everyone liked the best. Well, I have to tell you the title works, and I know that you write this, <laughs> in, this incredible collection of, of, of works. So what was the inspiration? Who or what inspired you to produce this particular work? Well, um, it's really a coming-of-age story about dating, and I wanted people to get a message through my poetry that it's not just you, like you in quotes, um, that we all go through it. <laughs> Um, if you're dating as a teenager or as an adult um, or a divorced person like I was in, the, in my 50s, you know, everybody goes through the same things when they're dating. 
And so I started writing these poems about it, and people kept saying that they identify with it. So I made a collection, and yeah. I actually haven't stopped. <laughs> yeah. Well, I'll share what you what you produce is very. Uh, it, 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 you're paying homage to the tradition of the Romantic period, and I'll share that when we, when we look at poetry, especially love poetry. Often people think immediately we're going to talk about those things that are very reminiscent of the period, things that are items of, of, of desire, attraction, lust. But I think there's so much more. I mean, you did add the, the second part there of French, French kisses. And so yeah. to produce such a work, you know, to produce such a work takes time. And so what is your writing process like, Kara? And what, is, what are some well, of the things that you do in order to bring this work to fruition? It does take time, um, but I remember some of my, um, the people that I worked with told me that some of their books took years to produce. Um, Carolyn Forche, for instance. Can you hear me? Mm-hmm. I'm sorry. Yes, yeah, I Carolyn can well. Forche, yes, um, mentioned that she took years to write one of her books. Um, so I, I just kept putting the poems together, and when I thought I had enough to make um, sense, and that people would enjoy reading, uh, you know, that's how the book came about. I'll share, Kara. There are a couple questions coming in live on my social media feed, and these are from listeners who are tuning in and very excited to connect more with you and your incredible work. So I'd like to read one of those questions if it's okay. Sure. This question is coming from Jason from Atlanta, Georgia. Thank you for listening, Jason. Kara, he asked the following question. Kara, are any of your experiences in love reflected in your book? Well, it's not just my experiences. Um, They always say poets are the best liars. (laughs) But it's the experiences of a lot of people. You know, I tend to exaggerate, and um, I also have actually sat in Central Park on benches and listen to other people's conversations. So you really have to watch out what you're saying because there are writers all over the world listening to your conversations. So um, I took a little bit here, a little bit there, my own experiences, and put them all together. And, you know, um, when you're uh, a writer, sometimes you sit down and you write purposefully, but sometimes it just comes to you and you always have to have a pen and paper around or your computer or whatever um, and you jot down what the idea is and then you start writing you just can't help yourself so after you do all that then the work starts you know then you have to put the poems together so they make sense to whoever whomever might be reading it and um, and sometimes if you're in critique groups like me you have to realize your colleagues will be reading them too so um, that's you know it becomes um, a, a fun job. <laughs> I hope that answers well, the question. Ask, no, you answered the question beautifully. And i like to add something. I teach, as you yeah. are aware, I teach composition and creative writing. Right. And three weeks ago, my uh-huh. creative writing class started, and I have 30 students in this class. The one question that comes up most often is this. How do I keep writing when I am just in a slump? I have writer's block. And I often tell students that process is, is kind of twofold because part one, there are just times in your life that you just can't produce, and that's okay. Right. And then there are also mm-hmm. times if you're only writing, and I share this often, 
If you're only writing for the sake of writing when you feel good, that's fine. But good writing, if you're going to do it consistently, you have to schedule time to write. And the more that I find that I schedule time to write, the more likely I am to produce quality writing. And so I, uh-huh. do, you have moments where you, do you have moments where you have writer's block? And how do you cope? Oh, absolutely. And because of that, that is why I developed all the writing prompts that I have. When I um, teach workshops, I have all kinds of writing prompts. And um, I, I'll post some of those online for people if they think it might help them because I feel it helps me when I read other people's writing prompts. And um, really, you know, writing prompts are, they help you involve your, your sensory level. You know, you, you start to think about, you know, the sight, the sound, smell, touch, you know, all of your five senses. And, mm-hmm. and that, you know, that in, um, will help you to start writing even if you are being blocked. And it does happen to me, yes. Karen, would you like to share some of your work? This is a great time for folks to get a little taste of this unrequited love and other kisses. Do you care to share a couple of your work on air? There are over 30 people perhaps listening. No pressure. (laughs) Well, since we're talking about the book, (laughs) um, I can share the poem that um, everybody kind of, requests when I do a reading. It's called First French Kisses. So um, I just had to take a little drink of water there. Okay, First French Kisses. (laughs) One day I was an ordinary girl, and the next I knew how to French kiss. One tender teenage smooch mining for gold and hitting a vein started explorations like Lewis and Clark mapping out territories which begged to be discovered. I liked him, and he liked me. We kissed at the stoplight and in his basement with his mother upstairs dancing. He got to first base. His tongue tentatively touched my lips, parted them, and traced the inner edge on top, back, and forth. It took courage kissing him. It was like chocolate milk and smooth teenage knees and guilt, responding with fervor and flavor. Magic intensity increased. Sighs, moans, new sounds escaped those lips. Years later, years later, we met in an elevator. He kissed me again, this time secreting a frappuccino-flavored ice cube, ice stirring passion, stirring memories of my very first, very wonderful and mysterious, unrequited love and tasty French kisses. And that's the end. Oh, oh. It's actually the beginning. (laughs) I, I have to share, and I have to share for all the listeners, you're listening now live to... Kara, who is reading from Unrequited Loves and Other French Kisses. And if you'd like to speak to her at any time or me during this live broadcast, you may do so by calling 347-539-5372. Again, that call-in line is 347-539-5372. And if you're a little shy, you prefer to send me an email, perhaps, my inbox is standing by. The the email address, by the way, is everydayfolkslisten.com at gmail.com, everydayfolkslisten at gmail.com. 
And, Kara, I have to share, you have another question coming in. It's coming from Maria from Hollywood, Florida. Okay. Oh, this is a good Oh, this is a good one. Okay, so she asked. <laughs> oh, no. And, and I have to share, before I say this, sometimes our questions come in, and we have to remind our listeners we are not therapists. We are writers. We are, we are individuals, great independent thinkers of the creative art. So with that, I think what happens, because we're so expressive and we are so connected with evoking and sharing the, uh, our lives through the human senses, people get a sense of connecting with us, and they want to share more than just the literal context of what we do. So bear with me with this question. <laughs> it goes okay. as follows. In your opinion, is there one true love? Well, I can only say I don't know. I wish I could say yes. <laughs> um, it was always my dream to say yes, and I think that's why I ended up writing that book. So um, I, it's hard for me to give that opinion. Is anyone an expert in that? I don't know. <laughs> and and I wish everyone good luck in finding their one true love and having it last forever. <laughs> Well, and I agree with you, my friend, I, and I'll share this to Maria. Maria, thanks for listening to Hollywood, Florida. I, I guess yes, thank you. At the front, it's a great question, and it's a deep one, yet simple one, and I'll share this. There is a universal um, umbrella by which love stands and, and, and exists, but then there are different denominations of love or categories of degrees of love, and so, therefore, it all depends on what circumstance one is and what relation one is with that thing or person. But I think what exactly. you're probably looking at is your connection. The works, your, your collection is about a human love. So there is no connection, let's say, for instance, a connection with nature or a connection with any other inanimate object. Does your book encompass the idea of love as it relates to another human being, or do you fashion it or address a myriad of options? Mm-hmm. Are you-, you know, so that's I, – I don't I guess, Maria, you have to call us. <laughs> it wasn't a question for you, Karen. It was one for Maria. Oh, okay. To trigger her, <laughs> you know, for her to think about, you know. So, yeah. So what's next? I do have a question for you, though. So what's next? Uh-huh. I mean, you're doing all this, these incredible things. I first appreciate, folks don't know this, but you're, we're having this conversation live, and we are in two different cities in Florida. Talk about right. that, Okay. And so what's well, next for you? What are some of the next things down the road in terms of your creative interests? Well, um, I've taken a hiatus from um, uh, writing and, um, and uh, working. I was retired for a little while. So now I'm writing a lot of poetry again, putting another book together. And I'm also mm-hmm. writing about um, – motiv- I'm writing a motivational book about um, – the renewed energy and writing that comes from my workshops. It comes from some of my lectures and speeches, and it's just about helping other people um, with uh, laughter and writing and poetry therapy and all the things I like to do to help people find, you know, all of their unique ideas and their feelings of well-being. So I thought, well, I, you know, I don't know how it'll go over, but that's what I'm doing because it's also therapeutic for me to write it. <laughs> so it's great. 
and um, mm-hmm. I just can't help myself. I, I write poetry every day, and I'm a hobby photographer, so I'm combining the laughter, the photography, the writing, the poetry, mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. It's all in, in one book. So well, I that's what I'm doing this, right now. Your bio is so impressive. So I want to read bio that I placed <laughs> on the website and that went out to the virtual universe here. So it reads okay. as follows. As a, port- as a poetry therapy practitioner with the International Academy for Poetry Therapy, whoa, and as a collage artist, poet, teacher, leisure photographer, and laughter yoga, yoga leader, Kara combines her skills to joyfully facilitate self-discovery and express and expressive thoughts in words. That's so impressive. You have so many facets of you. Can we talk about a couple of these? For instance, sure. A laughter, a laughter yoga leader. What's that? It, I'm very, I'm very intrigued, actually. Uh, well, Dr. Madan Kataria from India. Um, who is a medical doctor, decided because of medical research that laughter would help his patients. So um, he wanted to laugh more too. So one day he went to a park in India and he started laughing with some of his friends. And after about two weeks of telling jokes, they realized they just told every joke they knew. So he said, how can I keep people laughing? And um, he decided to make these wonderful laughter, what he calls laughter yoga exercises. It's not actual yoga movements. It's really laughing. And um, he now has so many exercises available, and he has millions of people all over the world who have joined into his laughter club. So I went to one, and I had such a good time, and I said, I have to do this for other people. And um, it's really, laughter's contagious. So if one person in the room starts laughing, everyone in the room starts laughing. That helps your breathing. And they've done a lot of research on it, that laughter yoga really helps people. So I thought, well, this is natural, you know, to combine with the writing. And, um, you know, that's how it all came about. And what, you know, laughter yoga is really uh, laughing just for the sake of laughing. You might be sad, but if you start laughing, you can give your body that extra boost and, you know, you get the mm. serotonin and the dopamine and all the good stuff. Does that so answer the question? To, you did. And is it safe to say then that your, your recent work, does it embody elements of humor as well? Because laughter is part of that. So what folks expect in terms of tone as they read your, your incredible work? Well, some of my work is very deep. Um, I think the laughter comes in when we do the laughter exercises. Sometimes um, I do have, you know, laughter things. People will laugh when they're reading my poems, and they may get a few tears. (laughs) So, you know, it's it's like a juxtaposition. (laughs) And it's both happy. Yes, it really is. But, you see, that's why... When you start writing, and and you know this, um, it it brings out all those inner feelings, and um, it doesn't always have to be laughter. But that's where mm. I I bring in the laughter yoga. That that gives me all that um, happiness, um, the happy so. And then I like to spread it to everyone else, and and that's why I'm I went back to work to do this. <laughs> that's great. 
you have another question coming in. This is a fresh okay. one coming from Josh right here in Miami, Florida. Thank you for okay. listening, Josh, right here in our hometown. The question is as follows. Kara, in your other works, are all of your works the themes similar, or do you have very distinct themes that you like to focus on? Um, I always go back to that same theme, but I really I write about nature. I have a lot of poems about other themes. Um, I, I what, write widely about anything that comes to me. You know, whatever idea comes to me, I I write about it. And some of them are are, are end up being they make sense and they're pretty good. And some of the others I just toss. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I, I, I want to share with our listeners the time now is one fifty-two, and Carrie, we have eight minutes left in your segment. This time flies, folks, but you still have a chance to speak with us. If you'd like to chat with us, you may do so by calling in at 347-539-5372. Again, that call-in line is 347-539-5372. And I see that you're not shy because these emails are coming in not only for you, Kara, but also subsequent interviewees who are to come on air just a few minutes. But, the, but our email address is everydayfolkslisten at gmail.com. Again, that is everydayfolkslisten at gmail.com. So, Kara, here's, here's a big question for you. Every writer, okay. I feel, every writer, we all know that we're writing in an age of digital rhetoric. And mm-hmm. having a presence and using social media all of these things are, are, are significant for showcasing our brand, especially to a new generation of readers. So right. if you could speak, where, where do you, how do you use technology in your work? Where can people find you, for instance, and what are some uh-huh. of the things that you lean on when it comes to technology and showcasing your brand? Well, I can't believe how I am so involved in it right now. I actually I am on Facebook. <laughs> Um, I'm sometimes I'm on Facebook too much. I set an alarm to stop, and it's just under my name, Kara Nusinov. You can reach me there. That's probably the best place to reach me. C A R A, and then the mm-hmm. last name is Nusinov. N like Nancy. U S like Sam. I N like Nancy. O V like Victory. So I'm also um, my friend. One of my friends is helping me create a website. It's it's up now, and it's it's getting better every day, I hope. Mm-hmm. And that's karanewsonofwriter.com. So karanewsonofwriter.com is my website. Then, of course, I have email. Um, my email is love to script like a writer, you know, writers, L-U-V, the number two, and then S-C-R-I-P-T at gmail.com. Then I'm on Instagram, and I'm also on Twitter. <laughs> So um, I have all different handles. Um, they're not consistent. Maybe in the future they will be, but um, you know, as I come into them, I think of all these names, and then I realize now that you really have to have your branding <laughs> um, so that people can find you. So, um, but if you go to Facebook, you can find me. And also, yeah. folks, you can also find her coming up in the 2018 Miami Book Fair International. If you are, if you don't know anything about the MBFI, I shall, I'll share this, not only as a former employee of the college, Miami-Dade College, but as well as an author who's been featured there. 
It is, and I am proud to say, probably the world's largest book fair. You know, it's yet to be tested approved, but I know in the nation we can say it is the largest. Where over four, at least 400 authors convene from around the globe here in Miami, downtown, downtown Miami. And our group, South Florida Writers Association, our prestigious organization, will be having a panel that following Sunday. And so all of these things that we're promoting here, whether it be Kara's work as well as all of our, our platform, the things that we're doing, I'm going to place them on my webpage under who I'm supporting. So there will be direct links to reach Kara as well as the itinerary for our session. So that way you can come out and support. And those of you who are in Hollywood, Florida, we do hope that you'll come out and support it. It's not that far of a drive. I live in North Miami, and I always make my time to come south. So do come on down and, and meet us and hear what each of our authors have to say. Well, Kara, you've been so much fun. And as you know, this is not the last of our conversations. Oh, so we thank you. It's been fantastic. You're welcome, and we say thank you. Thank you for coming through and spending time and squeezing us into your busy schedule so that we can share and understand a little bit more about what your work is about and, above all, who you are as a writer. And so any final words for our listeners out there? I just want to say that um, Mitch Kaplan's book fair is, Miami's um, book fair is just the best. It's like a dream of a week. You meet the most wonderful, awesome people, have great conversations. Uh, it's fantastic. Yeah, try not to miss it if you haven't attended yet. And for everyone else, we'll see each other there. <laughs> yeah. And there's something for everyone, right, Kara? For, it's, it's, yeah. it's one of the few festivals that's for the entire family. And so a celebration of literacy is what I like to call it. And I do hope that you'll come yes, out and see us and see Kara at our, our, at our panel session. Kara, thank you so much for your time, and we will be in touch. And thank with you. Soon. And I'd be happy You're to um, work with anyone else who wants to work with me in a workshop. And thank you so much. You're welcome. Have a great weekend, okay? You too. Bye-bye. Bye. So, folks, you just had it. This is, this is why Everyday Folks does what it does. And I'll share this. I am so privileged to be able to meet other like-minded individuals who celebrate the creative arts and stand in their respective truths. And that's very special. This is a very special gift for me. And so all of the voices and incredible authors you're going to hear today each represent that creative energy. And so dynamic, so true, and it's, oh, guess what? It's you. So thank you for your continued support. A few announcements before we segue to our next segment. A few things have been going on in everyday folks' world. I know many of you have been asking me via email and my social media DMs, when is Everyday Folks Volume 2 coming out? So I'm proud to say that it will be out June 2018. It will happen. It will be birthed, I promise. I've been long overdue with this. Now, I, I don't want to make an excuse because I'm not an, an excuse mobile, but I do want to share this. It's been a very you know, a, a challenging, if not arduous, process, not from the writing side but on the <laughs> academic side. I've been so immersed in my academic culture and doing things there. So it's been great coming back home and being a part of that experience, and being able to be back in my creative space, which is very significant for me. So I thank you for asking, but I promise to deliver in 2018. And if I don't, you can hold me. You can, you can beehive me, buzz me. You can slam my instant message account if you wish. But you're welcome absolutely to be a part. Secondly, a special shout-out to my dear friend, 
two weeks ago, my students at Broward College, the house over there, Honda Attraction, and the purpose of that event was to raise money for United Way while at the same time building a haunted house attraction and featuring it in the Broward community. It was a tremendous success. And we had over 500 people come through. We had a cast and a crew of 30 students who volunteered their time and diligence to the process. And so thank you so much for supporting us and getting us up for our first year. We did, we did take some feedback, and we promised to make things better in round two. So if I'm alive around in 2018, the house over there, part two, shall prevail. And then next, a special shout-out to our friends here at the Pinecrest Regional Library. We are hosting these interviews live from the Pinecrest Regional Library. If it weren't for the partnership that we have with them, the love that they continue to provide to us through the South Florida Rights Association, we would not be able to host our, our monthly meetings. So we thank you for that support as well. And I want to send a shout-out to my dear friend. There's someone who's sitting in the back. There are a number of people here, folks. Believe it or not, if you could see the camera, we're going to do some live YouTube feeds one time. I got great-looking people in front of me. But there's one person sitting all the way in the back who I want to recognize, and her name is Norma. Norma is my dear colleague of the South Florida Rights Association. And without her and the executive leadership of our organization, what we have today would not have come to fruition. So round of applause for you, my dear friend, for your love and support in, in organizing this. It's been fun to work with you. And you're so thorough, and you're just great. So thank you so much. So now is our time for our second segment. And if you'd like to see the lineup of the authors who are forthcoming, they are posted on BusyBallJones.com. Many of you know that link already. And as well as on our, my social media feeds at Everyday Folks, and as well as Billy Jones on Instagram and Facebook and Twitter as well. Oh, my goodness. We just had a great conversation with my dear colleague, who just care, who has an impressive book. And one thing she mentioned in her conversation was how much technology plays an integral role in her life. It's a lot. And as writers, we need more. I need, one, I need another me to get this working. So if you try to do it all at once, you can't succeed alone, so why not bring a posse with you? So I'm now going to introduce my, new co my next colleague. And I have to say he is a friend of everyday folks. A year ago, my dear friend has been on air featured on my dear colleague who's with me today on DKS, Journey into Passion. But I'd like to read his bio a little bit before I introduce him. So Dr. Steve Ligwitz, author of Deborah. I love the title, by the way. But here goes. Dr. Steve lives in Miami with his wife and two dogs. His professional career began in 1966 with the completion of training as an English teacher with the Peace Corps in Ethiopia. He then served three years in the U.S. Army with tours at a top-secret military installation outside Washington, D.C., Vietnam, and Germany. Dr. Steve earned a doctorate in human resource development from Florida International University and a master's degree in health care management from FIU, my alma mater. We're, we're, we're from the same institution. And public administration, um, which I believe was a baccalaureate um, from Florida Atlantic University. Throughout his 27-year career as a human resource developer with Miami-Dade County government, Dr. Steve kept, kept active in the South Florida community from everything, such as the Miami chapter of the American Society for Training and Development, Hospice, Inc., now Vitas, the FIU Alumni Association, International Coaching Federation, South Florida chapter, the South Florida Writers Association, bravo, bravo, South Florida chapter of the American Society for Public Administration, and the Florida Speakers Association. 
as a share. This is, he's so busy, I don't know how he finds time to do all this, but you found time to be here with me. So, ladies and gentlemen, I give to you Dr. Steve Ewing. Welcome, Steve. Thank you, Billy. I always, I always get uh, abashed when I hear that introduction. I wonder who they're talking about. It's you. <laughs> well, I have to share, I'm so, again, I say this for many of our listeners. Steve's been here before, and he spoke with Anike about a year ago. It's been a year. And it was one of your earliest shows. And I remember that segment. I remember that impressive montage of, of works that he's put out. So you, my friend, I am very honored to call you a colleague, and I'm very proud to see and that you allow us here at Every Devote to showcase your work. So, Steve, you have this, this latest work coming out, Everer. So what inspired you to, who or what inspired you to produce this impressive work? Okay, uh, I just want to say uh, before I start talking about that and answering Billy's question, that I am proud to call Billy a colleague. Oh, thank you so much. Dr. Billy Jones, and, and – um, it's part of the thrill of being in the Writers Association when you have people like this. Our colleagues here are just, I mean, there's no place like this. I have to right. tell you, if you're interested in writing at all, you need to hook up, hook up with us. We, it's wonderful. Okay, so Devorah, that's the Hebrew name for Deborah. Mm-hmm. And her story is found in the Old Testament. Mm-hmm. And it's called the song of, and how I came to it was by accident. Hmm. My wife and I took a trip to Israel with a group. Mm-hmm. And um, I'm sure many of you have been on these trips with groups, whether it's here or there, wherever. It's on the bus, off the bus, on the bus, off the bus. And uh, about midway, we were there for almost three weeks. And about middle of the tour, we arrive at this place called Megiddo. Mm-hmm. And I don't know, it was about 2 o'clock in the afternoon, and I'm thinking, oh, geez, another off-the-bus, you know, museum, all that stuff. And, you know, been there, done that. But for some reason, my wife stayed on the bus. I got off mm-hmm. at Megiddo. Its name in Western culture is Armageddon. So, right, for most of you, you know what Armageddon is. It's the place of the final battle between good and evil and everything else. And so I was, I was very interested in it. And it's a normal-looking place, you know. It's just very mundane. Mm-hmm. But outside the museum, they have a tell, mm-hmm. T-E-L. Okay. That is a mound of civilizations where one civilization was built up on top of another. And this this tale went back over 6,000 years, predates Hebrew civilization. Uh, Michener did a book about this, uh, I don't know, 30 years ago, Mm -hmm. called The Source, Mm -hmm. which uh, I reread as as part of my research for this book. And uh, anyhow... So at the top of the tell, what it's topped off at is at the time of King Solomon's son. So what they have up there is uh, ruins, of course. Okay. And you walk around, and they have little signs in front of the ruins, and it says, this was the stables, this was the, uh, the armory, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. It tells you everything about what the fortress was. 
So very interesting, man. I I didn't know who King Solomon's son was. I still don't actually. <laughs> and uh, I I was curious. I I wanted to know. <laughs> but I was working on a on a another set of books called the Dream Group Trilogy, mm-hmm. which one year will be published. It's, Good, it's done. But anyhow, so I finished that and I dusted off my Bible mm-hmm. and started looking for Solomon, right? King yeah. Solomon, King Solomon. Oh, right, yeah. right. But before I got that, I thought I would I would do something on the great kings of Israel. Okay. Saul, the first king, and I would do David. Everybody knows David, and I would do Solomon. So anyhow, on the way over to Saul, I found Deborah. Okay. There's only five pages in the Old Testament. The book, uh, I don't really know how many pages the book is, actually. It's probably about 250 or 280 pages. Um, But the Bible says uh, a colleague of Deborah's, let me just pause a minute. Deborah was the one and only female to be a judge in ancient Israel. A judge in ancient Israel is somebody who is a leader, not a judge like we think of it now with black robes and all that. Right. Um, She was very important. Yes. She was selected by the elders of the 12 tribes, and she was selected because she was a prophetess. Mm -hmm. And she had a a unique relationship with uh, other judges that you may know, Gideon, Samson, those are the most popular period uh, uh, judges from that period. Mm -hmm. Anyhow, so this colleague of Deborah's named Yael is – said in the book to have murdered Sisera, mm-hmm. the Canaanite general, mm-hmm. by driving, this is horrible, by driving a tent peg through his head with a mallet. Mm. Now think of how terrible oh, this is. Wow. You're in the age, right, in the Semitic age, yeah. when hospitality and, uh, you know, you never did that kind of thing, much less for a woman to do it. Right, right. So I'm thinking, you know, why did Yale do it, you know? And who was she? And the Bible doesn't say anything. It only said God told her to do it, like they always do in the Bible. <laughs> you know. <laughs> the devil. The devil. The devil. The devil. The devil. The devil made me do it. Got a point there. You know. <laughs> but in this case, this murder was recommended by God. Right. <laughs> So anyhow, um, this is so interesting. By the way, so I have to share. Hold on one second. I have to share, folks. You have to see. He's he's getting all excited over here. It is so deep. It is. It's a really good storyline. And you and there's something here. I want to, I want you to continue, but I want to share something. What he's sharing with you is clearly evident that he had to do his homework. Oh, and yeah. that great writers, if you're going to create this historical fiction, this dimension that even though may be very disconnected from where we are in our postmodern time. You still have to do your work. You have to do your homework, and you have to do justice to the tradition. And even if you're going to deviate from it, you still have to know it. Oh, man. So I just wanted to share what you did. It's truly noteworthy, and it's very hard to get good writers who believe in that, 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 that tradition. And I, I thank you for that. Well, so continue, please. Thank you for pointing that out. You're very well. That, no, that, that's really true. Not just in my case, but just, just in general. Right. Do your right. work. 
you got to yeah, put them in fact, uh, preceding uh, mm-hmm. Billy's set of interviews today, we had Anna Desiano yeah. Suarez as our guest speaker, which, again, is another rec- recommendation to join the association because we have these quality people. In any event, she's doing a historical novel on 16th century Spain. Mm-hmm. She talked about all the research she's doing. So you do it because you care about the character yes. and you want the story to have authenticity. Mm-hmm. So in any of it, why, for a modern reader, why did Yale kill Cicera? Okay, yes, he was a Canaanite. Yes, the Hebrews and the Canaanites didn't get along, you know, but it was still a very severe act. Mm. So I had to, I kind of had to invent that myself. Right. Because the book doesn't say anything about that. But her relationship, and I also had to sort of create her relationship with Devorah. But it was, I think, a natural outgrowth mm-hmm. of understanding the time and the fact that, you know, we talk about uh, women's liberation, which mm-hmm. is an old term, and mm-hmm. equal opportunities and all that. This woman, Deborah, and her colleague, Yale, were, you know, 4,000 years ago. Yeah. And they were in charge, right? And they were fabulous, attractive people in every way. So uh, it was a pleasure. In any event, <laughs> what, as I did the research, the, the, the story in the Bible actually happens 175 years after mm-hmm. Moses led the children of Israel, yeah. out of Egypt. Okay. So this is a time, 170 years, yeah. 175. It's a time when people might still sort of have a sense of the reality of that. It's just mythology. It's just mythology. Uh, right, right. But, you know, right. it's just a story. But maybe, you know, it was something that meant something to them. Mm-hmm. And so Deborah personifies that sense connection with spirit. But even then, after 175 years, it got old for mm-hmm. a lot of people. And so if I can cut in there, yeah. I have to share one of the things about your storyline. You are evoking, all, clearly you must evoke all the human senses, senses in order to do this. And so you were not there. You just mentioned it. You had to recreate a battle. So yeah. what was that process like to recreate a scene that you yourself never physically experienced? Although, I can say for your bio, <laughs> you draw from prior experiences. You've been Right. So I'd like to know, what was that process okay. like? Well, there's a, research is necessary, as we said, but it's not as hard. And there are plenty of, of books yes, on there. And there was one particular <clears throat> excuse me, source called uh, Daily Life in Biblical Times that I got. And it had everything from meals to uh, farming to family relationships to everything. And uh, it had the battles and the weapons. Battles. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And then there was another couple of sources I used. Yeah, so, yeah I love that. So I got the weapons out of that, et cetera, et cetera. How long did all this take you? This is impressive. So how long did you – because there's a sense of information literacy that we must have as writers. Not only writing these things, but when you do things of this nature, this takes some time. I was just curious to know what was your time frame right. to gather that scene alone. How long did it take right. you to okay. bring uh, it out? Anna 
Vesiano talked about yeah. that. Some people do their research ahead of time, True. right? True. And you need to do a certain amount to get immersed. But I, I mostly did it as I moved as the story along. And I ran into something that I didn't know, and I needed the characters to perform the action. And so I looked it up. I did the research. And that was true with, with the battles especially. So yeah. that was readily available in terms of, in terms of research. So. You have three questions coming in, Steve. These are so interesting. And, folks, thank you for your questions. There are three, actually. So, and they're coming. Oh, wow, Steve, look at this. From Colorado, New York, and New Jersey. Wow, so New Jersey. You've got this triangle going on here in America. So, folks, thank you for listening. If you'd like to speak to me and Steve during our broadcast, the line is open, 347-539-5372. Again, the number is 347-539-5372. And for those of you who are not shy in my inbox, I'll give that email address nonetheless. It is everydayfolkslisten at gmail.com. That's everydayfolkslisten listen, at gmail.com. By the way, caller, I can see you in my switchboard list. I see a caller keeps popping in and out. You got to stay online so I can get you on air. So if you'd like to speak to us, you stay there, and I will get to you shortly. So here comes your question, Steve. This is from Tark, who resides in Denver, Colorado. Good. He asks, how long does it take you to produce a, a, a working draft of your novel? Uh, okay, that, Billy was asking that question, too. Um, what is, at the time I wrote Devorah, I wasn't only writing. Got it. I was doing other things. So it probably took about two years. But what I want to share is that this South Florida Writers Association has a critique group for novels. And I was in a critique group with Devorah. And as I produced it, I read it to the critique group. group, right. And they liked it. And they kept after me. And they said, oh, man, you ought to do something with this. I had no intentions, right? You ought to do something with this. And so finally, I did when I finished it. But it's because of this association that that's very motivating. Yeah. Yeah. It's very motivating. And Tark, I'll share, the key is to be, you need to be in a community of other creative minds. Yes. And writers, we do it through SSWA, musicians do it through their respective communities. You have to be in a creative space of other independent thinkers like yourself in your creative art, and you can't do it alone. There, is, there, is, there are a number of things that come out of that. Number one, the motivation. Number two, the inspiration that you're able to help someone else succeed and produce and bring their own works to fruition and celebrate it in the world. So there's a lot of value to that. And I do hope that if you are interested in such uh, the creative art, that you will consider joining a, a community with, uh, up in Denver. So good job. There's a second question coming in from Marcos from New York City, New York. Thank you for listening up in, in the Northeast. I hope the weather is nice to you, Marcos. Here goes. Where does the name Devra come from? You mentioned it earlier, but he likes to know again. Okay. It, it's the name in, in the Old Testament. Yeah. It's called the Book of Deborah, and the Hebrew version of that is Devorah. Devorah, right. And that's what I named the book. And there was a book that I read and I should bring it to you. It's called All the Women of the Bible. It is a great reference book. It is on my, in, my, in my personal library at home, and it chronicles all of the women, every, from major, minor, you know, characters of the Bible. It pays them homage in that space. And so 
And I know that this is something that you're doing. I'd love to offer it to you as a gift. Thank you. Thank you know, if you shoot me an email, I'll make sure you okay. get it. And there's a third question coming from Tina from Trenton, New Jersey. So, Tina, thank you for listening. And see this question is for you. Oh, this is a fun one. Wait till you hear this. So, Steve, I, I, when we get these questions where they want us to describe ourselves in, like, a few words, you can't ask writers to do that, Tina. So, you know, that's not just who we are, but we're going to try, okay? So, Steve, Dr. Steve, three words to describe your book. Uh, inspirational. One. Motivational Two. and sexual. Ooh. Ooh. Talk about an oxymoron there. Let's talk about number three in the series. <laughs> Let's talk about number three. So, folks, he just hit it. And, so, you know, I didn't think you were expecting that. So, that means you have to pick up the book. Let's see. Okay. <laughs> this, is, this is back to the. Just get a little snippet of each of those areas, each of the items in the series. <laughs> but it's back to what uh, Billy asked me earlier about uh, what she was doing. And as I was sharing, she mm-hmm. has a direct connection with spirit, okay, a direct connection with God. She doesn't like ritual divorce we're talking about. But... It was, it was 175 years. The direct connection with spirit had sort of been lost, and routine, ritual, dogma had taken its place. Mm-hmm. And in the book, that's represented by the high priest called Malachi mm-hmm. And throughout the book, there is this constant uh, give and take and discussion and, and really battle between Devorah and Malachi. So that's one of the major themes, spirit. Now the sex, <laughs> the sex comes in because I needed to find a real reason why Yale would murder Cicera. Mm. Okay? Why, ah, did she, okay. why did she do that? You know, and sex seemed like a really a, a great a good reason to do it. <laughs> but also, make me human. <laughs> for me personally, I am very interested in connecting spirituality and sexuality. Got it. I don't think those are two separate things. Oops. And I see we have a, we have Dorothy Ryder here listening with us, and she she agrees with that. I know you can see her; she's nodding away. But you know, <laughs> that that is an important theme, and not only in in divorce. Divorce is the first of three books. Yeah. The second one is on. Saul, and the third one is on David. And the theme of spirit and sex together rolls right through. Mm -hmm. It's called the covenant and the scrolls. (laughs) I I share that these work. He's so interesting. I have all these questions for you. I just want to hear you speak. You know that. And so where can folks find you? Because you're doing all these great things. And folks, some of you, Tina, I know you're going to read this book, and if you don't, you better, okay? Uh, we would like, uh, we'd like to know where we can find you. So are you using social media and, thing, and platforms of that nature? Because I'd like to place you, by the way, on my webpage okay. under who I'm supporting so that folks, it'll serve as a, a directory for finding Thank connected you. with all the authors today. But where are you? Okay, so uh, my website is the name. I independently publish mm-hmm. these books, and I encourage people to shift their thinking from self-publishing which has got a nasty reputation to independent publishing. 
You're not self-publishing. This is not a vanity thing. Right. It's a professional endeavor. It is. And so it's independent publishing, just like Robert Redford does Sundance, mm-hmm. and they have independent films. Independent films, exactly. So we are independent writers and publishers. So, Mark Twain. And, Mark Twain, Mark and lots of others. Thank you, yeah. Jonathan. So the name of my published company is Harmony Quest mm-hmm. Publications. Excuse me. So you can find my website is hqpubs, P-U-B-S dot com, harmonyquestpublications.com. And there are pictures of the covers there. Uh, There's one little uh, video snippet that has to be deleted. Why? (laughs) Did I see you? Did did he? (laughs) A little too raw. Somebody else did it. I had to get him. Let me. I have to share this because if you don't know Steve and his incredible and his nature, it's so great. You're so alive. <laughs> I love it. I love it. I love your energy. And all of that is 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 fixed. It's it's transferred into his work. So folks, you have to read it. And everything that he's sharing, these incredible authors. We all live here in South Florida. We're very fortunate in many ways. Minus hurricane season, by the way. <laughs> but we're very fortunate overall, especially this time of year, to be able to be where we're at because we can clearly go anywhere and find a space and find a community of people like ourselves. So we're very fortunate. And I want to share this. If you believe in historic fiction, you believe in general fiction, heck, you believe in the arts, you'll be reading his work, Deborah. And I, I want to say to you before we close these, I had all these questions prepared, but I'd rather just go with you. You're so fun. You just you're just the go with the flow kind of guy. If there's one thing, and I want you to share this very critically, the one thing that you could do differently with any existing work you've already published. Okay, if you could make a change, what would you do? Uh, in the third book mm-hmm. about David, it's mm-hmm. called David. The Usurper. Mm-hmm. And by the time I got to that point, I think it was maybe five years after Devorah, mm-hmm. I really didn't like David anymore mm-hmm. because I thought he was a real cruel son of a bitch. You could say that. We're rated R here. It's okay. <laughs> he was really nasty. So what I would do is, and I talked to a number of rabbis subsequently, and they all say that that was the way it was in those mm-hmm. days, you know? Mm-hmm. But I don't know. So if I had one thing yeah, to change, that change, that's a very interesting right, I would, I would try to change my attitude about David okay. and write that differently. Ah. Huh. It's funny, as writers, when we, once we release it out in the world, it's just like what I tell my students. When you turn the paper, don't look at it before you turn it in to me when you come in the room. Drop it off. Because we're always going to see something. We're always going to want to improve something. And after it's been memorialized forever in the world, we still have our own private opinion about what we do. But at some point, this is true. We have to understand that we are what we are, and it is what it is. And, Steve, you have done such an extraordinary job, not only today in this interview, I mean, you be fun but also what you do, and I salute you, my friend. And we want to support you here at Everyday Folks through and through. So this is not the end of your visit. This is now number two. You know why I have to share this? You are the first author in Everyday Folks history 
to have been. This is like a reunion show, but it's not. Okay. So I don't even know what to coin it yet. But okay. this is your you're the the first live person that we both have done in Nikkei. And Nikkei is here with us in our in our live location. The first person that we both have interviewed, period, in the history of everyday folks in the two years has been around. It's been Steve. And every time, and I'm serious, you're just sitting there, the interview is so different than the previous, doesn't it? Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. And so, folks, I'd like to say thank you, Steve, for your time today. We are going to salute him, and I want you to recognize that on, do you know that date? The one thing I don't have is that I know that our the, the, the book fair is about to start. 19th. It's the 19th at 530. Thank you very much. My colleague Jonathan Peer, Jonathan Rose, and right. Alex. And 18, room 1803. Thank you. So room 1803 on the 19th at Miami-Dade College's Wilson campus, correct? And so please come out and listen to all of our, our authors who we're, we're speaking with today are all going to be there live on the panel. And this panel will take place at 3.30, what was the 5.30 p.m. on the 19th. Come out and support Steve. Come out and support all of us. And you get to meet him. He'll sign books. He'll take <laughs> selfies. And above all, he'll provide an impression to you, not only about his work, but about the writing craft as well. Can't thank you enough, Steve, for being here. Thank you so much. Thank you as well. Really, that was great. Thank I you so much. You. And so, folks, those of you who are listening live, folks, we're doing – this is our first four-interview segment in the history of the show. So this has been so much fun. We're making all these first days with Steve being our first author twice, being our first guest has been featured in two different shows, and we're now our first ever, at least for jointly, Anika and I are in the same place. Yes. <laughs> we're in the same place. Yes. I mean, normally you're just creating history here today. I don't know what to say to you, but I want to say thank you because I did this under my family, South Florida Writers Association, and you are the first. I'm a member of other organizations, but this is the first organization to be featured at the magnitude that it is getting today, too. So have fun for us. Well done. So our next segment, we're going to segue over to another great person. And I want to share, each, of, each, each author is so good, and each of their stories so impressive. So before I begin, I'd like to read the, interview, the, the bio on our next interviewee. So this is great. After losing, losing her parents and surviving, surviving the reckoning. Ah. Ah. Okay. Hold on. I was just signal. So, after losing her parents and surviving the reckoning, a catastrophic earthquake that nearly destroyed all of North America, all odds, young Thecla survived on her own in the, re- in the remains of the destruction known as the Wasteland. Seven years later, now a fiercely self-trained warrior and hunter-gatherer, Thecla is suddenly introduced into a new order of civilization known as Carpathia, Carpathia, a pious community where the prominent bishop Cato governs. As her morals are challenged and innocence slowly falls by the wayside, Thecla quickly discovers that her survival skills and instincts that kept her alive in the boodle, wild and untamed wasteland, is no match for her new life in Carpathia. Oh, my gosh, this is so great. I have to share this. Now, before I even let her speak, I have to share something with her. This beautiful, talented woman who sits right here to my immediate left 
is my dear colleague, Zarina XCJ Frey. And Zarina, you do know that you and I go back here because six months ago, I had the pleasure of having her host featured during the 2017 Festival of Music, Film, Literature, and Arts at Broward College. She was our, our keynote author for the month. And the show, it wasn't a speak, a speaking event. It was a show. It is an experience. My students to this day still acknowledge that. So I want to say thank you for that. And, folks, even though you can't see her, listen to the passion that she has about her incredible work and what brought her to this incredible piece. So I welcome you to the show, my dear friend, Serena. How are you today? I'm good. Thank you for having me, Billy. It is great. And I have to tell you, and every, I shared this with her earlier, too, so I keep gloating on her because I just love her. You have to see just, just be in her presence. There's just such energy. <laughs> There's such energy. She didn't say this before, but I have to say she's also, I don't know how she finds time to do all that she does. She has this impressive book, which we're going to discuss in a few seconds. She's also the owner of 45 Magazine. Ooh. I, I want to grow up to be like you. I'm trying to be like you. But <laughs> well, we're going to work on being on each other. How about that? Yeah. So I see that you created this impressive work with an impressive cover, by the way. An impressive cover. So what is the story behind Beckla? What inspired it or who inspired it to, for you to bring it to, to fruition? Okay, well, um, as far as inspiration goes, um, there was a love story that I wanted to tell. Okay. Right? And uh, um, I just didn't quite know how to tell that story. So I just kind of, you know, mulled over and went on about life and different projects. Okay. Um, one day I, I uh, was watching, I believe it was the History Channel, um, and I saw this uh, documentary, I guess you'd call it, about um, St. Thecla. Mm. And this is a uh, lady who uh, actually preached with Apostle Paul, mm. um, but was never uh, given the recognition because, you know, in those days women weren't. Um, and she was just, her, her ministry was just as strong. I mean, she was, you know, alongside, uh, you know, uh, Apostle Paul. But the thing that really got me about this particular um, character was that, uh, you know, she was, um, she was a virgin, and in those days you, you know, were put in an arranged marriage. And, um, you know, she didn't want to do that. She'd rather follow the gospel. Well, that pissed a lot of people mm-hmm. off, uh, especially the, the guy who wanted her. Mm-hmm. And um, in short, you know, he tried to kill her. And um, in, in, in more than one occasion, this type of thing was going on okay. with her. Okay. And uh, she just kept following, you know, uh, the gospel mm-hmm. of Christ. And, mm-hmm. uh, you know, she just, I mean, there was instances where she was thrown in a, a, a pit and, uh you know, where the lions were supposed to attack her wow. and the um uh the female lion protected her from the other lion and she was thrown into a uh oh what was it? Uh into this 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 tank of um uh, piranhas or something like mm-hmm. that. And uh, you know, she wasn't harmed and she baptized herself. So, um, you know, I was just, you know, um very um Enamored by this this character, um, the third uh, the thing that mm-hmm. uh, you know um, inspired me to write this book was church politics. I spent I am originally from Indiana, where um, there's a lot of churches, 
and I was involved uh, in uh, quite a bit, and uh, to the point where I was actually part of staff. So I experienced up close and um, personal how um, how the politics and the politics. I understand. I could relate to right. So um, these these and so these three things. Uh, tend to uh, it, it fused together for me. Um, there's this love story, um, you know, and there's this, you know, this woman who has, you know, pretty much was innocent, but, it, you know, she's actually just getting um, uh, persecuted just for trying to do the right thing, you know. And uh, so I just fused all of those mm. things together. Now, um, what better place to put this story and then in in a uh, post apocalyptic uh, backdrop. Got it. Um, so yeah, I wrote this whole thing about how was I gonna, you know? Please, please, <laughs> you have to see this most. She has actual notes scribbled here. I want you to read this incredible stuff here. And she was, I saw her writing. So I have all my dear colleagues in here in the space, and I saw her sitting over there writing. This is how we are. We, oh, I get us. I get it. We get each other. Okay. So read, please. Okay, um, so um, Thecla, A Dark Romance, is a coming-of-age love and war story mm-hmm. set in the aftermath of a horrible earthquake that devastated the landscape of Northern America and mm-hmm. even upset the ecosystem. Mm-hmm. So the story starts seven years after what the characters refer to as an apocalyptic reckoning. Um, Thecla is one of the few lone survivors who has been left to fend for herself as a hunter, gathering, surviving, and even thriving uh, in what is now considered the united wasteland. So uh, she's strong. Um, but, you know, aside from, you know, the wild animals, mm-hmm. and, you know, that are, that's her friend, um, she, she, <laughs> I don't know who else she's going to talk to. Um, she's got to eat. I love it. Some of her friends, Dinner, you know. Understood. Yeah. So, um, but she does have a friend by the a boy, a young boy named Throne, who would periodically show up after scavenging and sharing, you know, what he's found, and she would do the same thing. Um, but eventually, uh, she uh, comes across uh, another friend by okay. the name of Quintus. Now, Quintus brings her into his camp, more like a community, um, and that's well developed, okay. and it's. Uh, it's a society called Carpathia. Okay. There she discovers her friend Throne living there as, well, actually he's serving as a general of an army called the Fraternity. Hmm. Right? So I love these names, by the way. And I'm not cutting in because I'm here, Carpathia, you know, Carpathia. There's a, and it's Hecla yeah. and... And look at this. Oh, keep going. There's a, there's a reason by you know behind every. Of course, thing. there's symbolism behind. I'm sure. Yes, they I have mean, to read the book though. Basically. I've done some research too, Steve. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes. So, um, but yeah, so you know, so she's sitting there and she's you know, you know, she sees her one and only friend, mm-hmm. and he's just sitting you know, pretty, and he's serving as a general of an army. Now, mind you, she didn't even know that there was even a society. Right. There's a society that's rebuilt, mm-hmm. and, and there's an army. So like, she's what? unbeknown to these, you know, she's unknown or unaware of these she's things. She's completely innocent, right. you know. Um, so uh, not only that, she finds that her best friend is in this arranged marriage with the daughter of the esteemed and pious bishop. 
Cato, who rules Carpathia with an iron fist. Hmm. So that sets the scene. This is not a spoiler, guys. I'm just setting it up. I'm setting it up. Oh, I got it. There's so much more. I got it. (laughs) Very deep. And this is only the first few chapters of the book? Mm -hmm. Wow. Um, Wow. Yeah. You know I'll be reading it. I'll be reading yours and Steve's. I have all my my winner reading is all my colleagues, each of the works. By the way, I want to share, I want to cut in on this one. Folks, for all of you, I'm going to ask and charge each of my colleagues to do the following. I'm going to purchase their works, of course. That's what we are supposed to do, is support other artists. How can we succeed if we're not standing on the shoulders of others? So I support that. But I'm also going to ask for any of those artists who are interested, and you would like, uh, if you, for listening to the show, some of you have been sending emails, and you have some emails coming in, by the way, uh, and like to share of one of their works, and you connect directly, you reach out to me and connect, I will reach out to those artists, and we'll see what kind of swag they may provide. So that would be a great opportunity, (laughs) whether it be a a, a selfie or a personal Skype. You know, I'll defer to my colleagues and whatever it is that they're doing or interested in doing. And if you're local, there's no reason why you can't come to the South Florida Writers Association meeting. So you can come and meet them there as well. We're the first Saturday of each month. And so, nonetheless, I just want to throw that in. And I do want to share, I, I want to cut in for just a second, because her book hook was impressive. And just like we heard earlier, you have to do your homework. This is impressive what you're doing. So what genre would you say this is classified under? Dystopian romance. Got it. Got it. I love it. Here come a couple questions. I want to read a couple. <laughs> so the first arena comes from Maria from, my, from Miramar, Florida, not too far from where we're hey, at the moment. Maria. Hello, Maria, and thank you for listening. She asked the following. I saw you perform back in March <laughs> at Broward College. Excellent experience. When are you returning? Where will you be next? Uh, that sounds like a two-part question. Yes, it is, Maria. That, that means you're really going to read the book. <laughs> okay, so that first, that's the first part? Let's take the first know. part, yeah. yeah that, that's, that's really the answer. Oh, well, we've got some under the wraps, okay, with all these other colleagues as well. There's some other folks you haven't met yet. So, Maria, there's more to come. Because I know that recently you were in Winwood a couple months ago, and you were performing. You were doing something at some event. I saw your face. You were doing something. Okay. I New York. Was okay. it New York or Linwood? It was, okay, it was somewhere, and you were actually doing a, a spoken word event. Yeah, that was New York. Yeah, It was New York. So, Marie, you may not be able to make it to New York when you're doing this, but we're, there's some things happening, and when they come, you know what you can find out. A from me, and B, BillyBallJones.com. And where will she be next? I think that's pretty clear. Um, mm-hmm. you you got to join her on the, 20th, on the 19th yes. at the book fair. You can meet her. You can meet Steve, Kara, and Don. They're all going to be there. And, of course, all of us who are members of SWA to support them. So you can meet them on the 19th at 5.30 p.m. in room 1803 at Miami College downtown. And it's not far from you. And there's food there, too. Well, not in our room, but out on the street. Yeah, food in the street (laughs) there. You can bring your kids. This is a family affair, so come out and meet her there. Here's a second question for you, actually. Um, This is from Jonathan from Boston, Massachusetts, okay? Hey. And he says, he writes, as an artist, I'm very impressed by your book's cover. Excuse me on the flyer. Thank you. What is its meaning or type of the book? Um, well, thank you. Um, Good question. You know, this is actually, um, the original cover to this book was just a picture of Ekla in a red cape. She was very, you know, she, she slayed. But what I found out, what I discovered at last year's Miami Book Fair through South Florida Writers Association is that the cover did not tell the story. Mm. 
and it was just her sitting there staring at you. And uh, and so I figured what I needed to do, especially in the you know in this huge competition of just trying to sell your book, is to create a um, an eye-catching uh, uh, cover that yeah. will actually work as a visual yeah. synopsis. I have to share. I'm going to hold it up for my colleagues who are here. Ooh, that's it. Ooh. Only in praise world can we produce something like that. We have a live audience here. And so I have to share. This is so. And there is a gentleman sitting. Oh, wait, there are two gentlemen here. I didn't even see him in the original markup. So there, well, actually, there's another person there yeah, in a sense. So yeah. there's a lot of symbolism here, and I love the colors here. And there she is. There she is. Wow. Yeah, so basically what you're going to see is um, if you look at this, um, this, this cover, I've pretty much introduced everyone. There's Thecla. Throne is in here. Quintus mm-hmm. is in here. All, of your, the, all your main characters pretty much. I'm impressed. And I have to share Marcos as well as an artist. I think many folks don't recognize how even though, yes, we can produce the work, but there is a point where we now have to take on other lenses and, and see things from another perspective with our work because Absolutely. we try to bring it to fruition. We need to make it connect, and we need to think like an artist. And so it's safe to say that as writers and independent thinkers, we're not just inclined to be in one discipline of the art. No, you don't have the luxury of doing You don't. You actually do not. And I think that when you – in Marcos for – for pointing out this is very true. I thank you very much for, 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 for offering that option and offering that insight as an artist. And we need our artists. We support our artists all the same. And there is an incredible visual story. I have to share this. When you're a spoken word artist, mm-hmm. there is a visual story that you're translating, you're painting for your audience. Absolutely. You're a storyteller. Mm-hmm. So how is the art of being a spoken word artist any different than being an author of a book, if there is any difference? Extreme detail. Okay. <laughs> With, okay. you know, poetry, you can be a little abstract. Okay. Um, spoken word poetry, though, um, I'm pretty direct. Mm-hmm. But still, you still have that luxury of just kind of uh, offering riddles to your audience. Mm-hmm. Um, in a novel, here, yeah. Yeah, not, not at all. You need to bring them into the yeah. world that you created. You have to be very descriptive um, to um, – you know, bring them into the story. Mm-hmm. Them, if, you know, if you want them to be invested, especially in, in a novel, you need to make them feel like that they are indeed a part of the world that you've created. Mm. So I have to share, I, I have one more question for you, and then I'm going to read one more from, I think we have one more for you, yes, from Tanika from Atlanta. But I want to ask a question about your writing process. So what is your writing process like? Because I know that I'm, I'm, I can sit here, folks, and I can see this incredible volume of work but this didn't happen overnight. No, it So what not. is your process like? Well, let's just thank uh, God for Starbucks coffee. <laughs> um, Starbucks was actually, I did a, a bulk of this uh, work in, when I was living in the, um, in the New England area, uh, just uh, 40 minutes outside of Boston. Um, so I was, uh, I was spending a lot of time mm-hmm. in, at Starbucks, and that was my office. Um, and I, even at even at home, I would work um, better at night because to me, me that too. seemed to be when me the too. world just shut down, and I was and I'm able to really just listen and sit 
and uh, and and get those get the vision and, and find the words to describe this mm-hmm. world and you know and and describe the landscape because I you know I'm creating you know a, an entirely different world yes, and you I are. want to be able to get readers to understand exactly you know which way is east and what's west and you know where the waterfall is and you know all of these things. Um, description, this being descriptive is just that. One of those things that I actually, as a poet, um, hate it. <laughs> and, and so, to, so this Becca Dark Romance was um, uh, my personal challenge of just um, being very descriptive. Did I say descriptive? Yeah, you I did. But no, but, it's, <laughs> but it is paramount for writers. We have to do it. And so, okay. And so Tanika from Atlanta, Georgia, asked the following. You have a variety of books you've written. Mm-hmm. Which one is your favorite? The most recent one. <laughs> Why so? <laughs> um, because it's fresh. It's the most, um, you know, it's it's at the front of my lobe. It's it's you know, it's the it's the most. Uh, it's new. Whereas, um, you know, the very first book that I published called "I Won't Apologize for Being a Woman." Um, I feel like, to me, that's old work, but for many people it's very new and fresh and relevant to them. But that's what happens when you write, you know, uh, something so personal. Yeah, um, yeah. So, um, yeah, the most recent one is always going to be my favorite because it's the new baby. It's the, it's the favorite one. Until something else comes along, right, and the baby grows up. But I still <laughs> – But, you know, the thing is, is back in March when you asked me to come and present the book, Conquering Haters, Mm -hmm. and what was I remember your comment now. I'm so glad you mentioned that. So I remember, because the titles of her book are so gritty, Conquering Haters, How to Deal with Negative People. Mm -hmm. So it sounded great. It sounded like something I thought would resonate with students. But when she came, she gave me so much more. And she said very openly at the mic, she said, that was my least favorite book. So she said, and I, I asked Billy, why did you choose that book? And I said, because I like the title. And then when I got it, I said, it was cool. So, but then you gave us so much more. And so it's very nice to see that now with Thecla in, in, in its existence, I think this is your new baby. It is. And I, and I have a feeling that it's going to do great stuff. So what's next for you? Where to next? Um, well, um, as far as written works? I or- the above. Okay, well, the next thing is the, of course, the Miami Book Fair. That's actually a really big deal for It's me. a big deal. It is, folks. <laughs> um, it's just, I just remember when I was still living in Indiana and I heard about this, and I'm thinking, oh, how cool would it be if I could just fly down to Miami? Not thinking, I, I didn't think I'd be living here at all, okay, <laughs> at that time. And so this is really, you know, one of those things that I, you know, can check off my list and say I did that. So. The Miami Duke Fair is the next thing um, on my list where I can uh, present, uh, you know, Thecla. And uh, there's actually, here's a little hint, um, just a little Go for uh, secret. Um, there's a little bit of poetry in Thecla. I've um, fused some of my uh, poetic work mm. into the storyline. Mm. And you'll have to see how that works out. Mm, very clever, very clever. You know, I'm teaching right now each week of my creative writing class. It's a survey course, so there's only so much you can do in eight weeks. It's an mm. eight-week course. So the first week, they were doing many tales of story writing. The first two and a half weeks, now I'm shifting to poetry. And then after that, from poetry, and that's 
which is the second unit, the third unit is looking at technology, writing in the age of digital rhetoric, um, looking at how one brand, giving them a basic sense of what the business aspect of it is, yeah. as well as how to embrace and use technology. Mm-hmm. The one thing that I find that they tell me very often is this, because they're very good at short story writing mm-hmm. and, 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 he, and, and using and, and including all the human senses. They feel the one challenge students have is how to break up ideas. And I tell students that spatial order is key in your ideas. You can't just cram all great ideas and dialogue into one place. Because reading is visual, that your reader needs to be able to visualize the storyline. Mm-hmm. And so when you were a I want you to go back in time, when you were a beginning writer, what were some of your challenges as a beginning writer? Were, there, were they related to some of the things I described now? Because it's description. You mentioned that previously. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Was it an understanding of spatial order? What were some of your challenges then that you now, and just, as this phenomenal woman today, that you now understand you may have overcome? Structure. Okay. Why structure? Because um, you have to pace the storyline. Okay. Um, there's, you know, in the beginning, I, you know, I, I consider myself a good dialogue writer, um, but, uh, you know, you can, you know, have your characters talking and talking. If there's not a point mm-hmm. into what they're saying, and if it's, if it, doesn't serve as a vehicle to provide, you know, critical information. Then you're just talking. You're just talking. Yes, and uh, and you're wasting True. you're wasting your reader's time. Yeah, you know? mm, that's a good point. And I, I feel for me, one of the pieces was understanding the function and use of dialogue tags. I I find that very often we don't realize that that dialogue is significant. And sometimes so few words can say so much. But if all dialogue is tilted, like you're speaking like a robot. Mm-hmm. is it keeping true to the character's voice at that time? Yeah. There are times when characters have to be more formal versus times when characters, like we're having a conversation. If I ask you, what did you do last night? You probably answer one word. Uh, <laughs> what did you eat? I don't remember. Yeah. So, we, we, so therefore, when we have those moments of, or those types of dialogue, we have to keep true to that, mm-hmm. that narrative. Yeah. That in the narrative. But I feel that also, too, is just finding the time. The biggest, my biggest challenge is time. I wish I had more of me, but then if I had more of me, I'd probably, what would I be doing? And so, therefore, I don't want to become that individual, and I say this to Anika all the time, busy at being busy. Mm-hmm. And writers, unfortunately, we're, that, we're those individuals because most of us have to still work or produce to support ourselves. Mm-hmm. So very few get to make it in top five and do this full time. But here's the flip side of Go that. for it. You know, it's just, you know, you have, it's those those other things that you're doing that turns you into a good writer. It's the experience yes, that you've uh, the research that you're doing, you know, that brings, you know, absolutely. that makes it real, that makes the story authentic, you know. You're right. For instance, I took a solar system astronomy with physics back in 1994 in college. Mm-hmm. And I took it because I was an English major, and clearly I did not want anything in the heavy stem field. But I learned something. It was my understanding and immersing in that culture of the universe that the culture of literature about the universe that I'm now able to bring in now in my writing mm-hmm. in a way that I yeah. never thought I would. I know, or the fact that, that I was studying, I studied botany. My other, I took the other, the biological science was the botany side. Mm-hmm. So I thought it would be an easy A, and oh boy, was I wrong. <laughs> but I now realize that as a writer, I'm very connected with nature. And the way that I'm connected with nature is that scientific, that scientific introduction to it from the context of that class circa 1993, 94. Mm-hmm. And so those moments, what you just said, are very, very true. We don't know what our world offers us. So as, as writers, we're like emotional sponges. We take in this world. We take in every aspect. We're just fascinated and nosy about all kinds of things, mm-hmm. and that's okay, right? 
Yeah, exactly. Just like, you know, we've got, you know, there's the hard research that we have to do. Yeah. Um, for example, in Sacra, um, you know, there's this earthquake that, you know, upsets the whole landscape of, you know, the United States. I had to do the research and figure out, can that really happen? You know, at the same time, I had the, you know, freedom that right. this was a fictional uh, a novel. To so, make it what you want. Yes, yeah, so right. I'm like, it can, but eh. mm-hmm. you know, that type of thing. So I had to research, you know, tectonic plates. Like, if that were to happen, what part of the, you know, northern uh, United States would be affected if something like that were to happen? And if they wanted to, you know, if Universal Studios or Hollywood wants to take on the movie, where could they actually mm-hmm. the book when they turn it into a movie? <laughs> <laughs> You have to dream it. You have to think it to bring it to fruition. I am with you. I am all about the yeah. Thank you. Oh, yes. Yes, absolutely. And, and I'll share this. You're doing so many great things, just as our other colleagues are doing. So I want to say thank you so much for the thank time you. that you committed here to what you do, and, of course, to us here, everyday folks. And so where can we find you? So where can we stay in touch with you? Those folks who are listening around the globe, where can they find you? I have an unhealthy relationship with Facebook. <laughs> So if anyone wants to join in that unhealthy relationship, you can find me at Zorina Xy, and that's spelled Z-O-R-I-N-A-E-X-I-E. That's also my Instagram tag, and Twitter is Z-X-I-E, that's Z-E-X-I-E. Thank you very much. And I say thank you for all that you do. Continue doing what you do. And, folks, check out Zarina on November 19th. Zarina, Dr. Steve, and Kara will be there, and as well as our colleague Don, too. So I will share, even we have a a change in our script today. Even though my dear colleague Don wasn't able to join us, this is a great time for us to bring in some additional colleagues because we have other folks in the house. And you have to see this one handsome guy sitting to my right who I think will be a great addition for our conversation and so, folks, first, I'd like to share this. If you still like to call, we have 30 minutes left. If you'd like to call at any time, you may do so at 347-539-5372. Again, that call-in line is 347-539-5372. And as I shared before, Steve, Zarina, Don, and Kara's information will be posted on my webpage under the menu, who, I am, who I'm supporting. So do check them out and come support them November 19th. But not only that, you have to get the book. I mean, they're all offering these great book hooks. But I have to share something. I'm so delighted that I have someone very special here to my left. And he is, he's been sitting here for the past two hours. And let me share something else about this man, okay? There are a couple other things. I've had the pleasure of watching him over the past couple of years. And he is the behind-the-scenes great that makes it work. So as our program director, right, of South Florida Writers Association. Each month, I always say when I come to South Florida Writers Association, I say this to Nikki at all time, I feel like I'm coming to like a workshop, at like a graduate course. And for like $75 a year, I'm getting all this cool stuff, this information from all these phenomenal people. But it wouldn't be possible if it weren't for him. And so, Jonathan, I thank you so much for coming in and being part of this audience. And now you could be part of the show. Well, you know, um... <laughs> I'm going to be introducing you for yeah, I know you are. At the book show. So let's talk about that. So, so what, what, should, what can we expect there? What, what, what are you expecting this year? At the well, fair? let me tell you a little bit about Don first. He, he yeah, had go a, for it. He had a lead. 
If you want to give him justice, folks, Don is awesome. And his work, Ryan Punishment, please get it. Go for it. Well, at, at the, uh, the downtown reading that we had mm-hmm. two weeks ago, yeah, well, more or less, yeah. Yeah, whatever. Uh, October 14th, uh, two weeks ago. Yep. Yeah. Um, basically, uh, we round robin, and uh, two or three hours went by like yeah. that. Yeah. And so Don wrote about eight from Ramen Punchman, and they were just so hysterical because what he does is he bases them on headlines, weird headlines, in the paper. Yes. And then he creates a, a, a form for it, like a sonnet or, uh, or a haiku. Or a limerick, I think he has a couple of those. Or a limerick, yeah. you know. And they're just – well, first of all, the events are so weird anyway. <laughs> and every once in a while, I'll, I'll say something. I'll say, Dan, check this out. I'll send him a copy, and he'll, he'll, he'll make one out of it, you know. But he, he read about eight of them, and they're just hysterical. I mean, it's just so clever. And you take a situation. Oh, one I remember was uh, a woman who who shot her husband. <laughs> shot her husband. <laughs> and he, he woke up with this horrible headache. She took him to the hospital. And... Uh, and... Uh, so they arrested her, and and he posted her bail. I mean, but you know what? That could happen. It did happen. It's, I mean, it did. But that I mean, that, that's the thing—the realism of it all. That I mean, the things that we find ourselves in these circumstances often have even after thoughts or actions that are indescribable. Anyway, I have his. <laughs> I have his email in case anybody wants to. Will you provide that email? Because I also want to chat with you about a couple of things. Okay, go ahead. D underscore Donald at Comcast.net. Got it. Do it again, please. Read it again. D, D underscore Donald. D underscore Donald, D-O-N-A-L-D, at Comcast.net. Thank you. And get in touch with him. I have to read this question. There was a question that came in for him. You may be able to help with it, actually. So this question is from Maria from Miami, Florida. So not the one from Hollywood, however. She says, Don, I heard you. I heard you speak back a year or so ago at a local library. And where will you be next? And so Maria, I want to share this. He will be November nineteenth at the Miami Book Fair International, and you're right here in town. So please come spend some time with us at five thirty p.m. That, that that Sunday. I think it's a Sunday, right? Sunday. It's a Sunday, so come out and support. It's room 1803. Room 1803, yes. Yes. And so also another thing, there was a community association meeting that he was at at that time. So, and I I know this because um, Ricky was there. Ricky was a speaker too. And I I want to say this event was maybe almost two years ago. And so, folks, even then, and, I, and I, I had this conversation with a colleague at Broward College who knows Don, and she said, oh, my goodness, she says, he is so funny. You want to get a good laughter? You want to get a dose of laughter and reality all at once? Go read his work. And so I, I, I have to share, definitely do check it out. And I appreciate you stepping in to share that information. But I want to share for you. I know you're going to be dialoguing with all these four great individuals. And so, what do you expect? What, what, what can we what can we look for? Any teasers? Entertainment. Ah, yes. 
yeah. and, and a chance to see how diverse the group uh, is. Yeah, they're very diverse. That is very true. They're each so different in his different own way. But make up, well, obviously, the software rights of Vision Family. And for you, as a writer as well, Jonathan, so I attended the Mango Writers uh, Writers uh-huh. Conference back in February 2017. The 2018 one is coming, by the way, so look out for it. And so I attended his workshop session. And in the workshop session, you introduced the roles, remember? With Connie. With Connie. Connie's over in the back. That's right. Connie, Connie's here. And so that session, and Zarina, you were there with me as well. We were together, and my friend Nadine as as well. So in that session, I I have to say thank you because what you produced, I share with my students today. And I share with them, and I said, I have to bring bring the creator roles because I always attribute you to this. Great. And so when you and I want to talk about that work and all of your other work. So, what inspires you to write? What inspires you to come up with these creative pieces that you do? Well, uh, life mm. really, and, and basically, uh, in I, I think of a situation in 1983, mm-hmm. uh, Peter Hargitay's wife uh, said to me, "I'm thinking of doing." Give me a list of names from history. I'm thinking of doing uh, caricatures, drawings of all these women, about a hundred of them, mm-hmm. through history. I said, okay. I said, I'll write roses for them. You do drawings for them. <laughs> Deal. Well, I wrote about 150 roses, mm. and she came up with three drawings. And and that's it. It's all there. Oh wow! But I, that's how I got started doing doing the roses, roses. doing the roses, right? Historical roses. Mm-hmm. I mean, before that, I did about four years mm-hmm. on on mostly male subjects. That idea came from her, and I just expanded. And now I've got about eight hundred. Wow! Altogether. Wow! And just a t- tremendous variety. Mm-hmm. And, and I went I went to a poetry convention, the uh, uh, South Florida. The, the Florida uh, Writers Convention. They had their only mm-hmm. convention mm-hmm. in Miami mm-hmm. at the Howard John mm-hmm. in mm-hmm. 1983. I remember. And um, so the, the, the best part, the fun part, was after all the meetings during the day, you stay overnight in somebody's room and just read poetry all night. Oh, how cool is that? Wow. And so I said to some, I said, I said, can you give me an idea? She, 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 she said, well, she gave me two. I went back to my aunt's house in North Miami and, and wrote Start two writing. overnight. Started writing there. overnight, and the next mm. night I had mm. Mm. two subjects. That, yeah. But it was so much fun and get such inspiration and such, mm, yeah, like, okay, I'm going to do that. Yeah. Right now, I'm going to write the poem, boom. So it's hard to illustrate in words what drives us to do what we do. I mean, besides the fact that obviously we like to be creative and expressive, but what drives us to follow through. Like earlier, as Rena mentioned in her interview, like she was so fascinated. I think she did her homework, but even still, there's things that come up. He mentioned it as well. As he was going about, he did his early um, immersion into the culture of literature and evidence of the historical context of what he was doing, but there's still moments where you're just driven. So what is that thing that keeps driving us? And it's hard to illustrate in words. Because it is just what it is, right? 
And so also it all works, so we can't do it. And we can never turn it off. Isn't it crazy? I can't turn it off. Even and I'm not even yes, I'm a grammarian, but that's not what I'm looking for. I'm looking for the creative essence of an idea. And so if it's in lyrics, poetry, I'm looking for the, the enhanced the value of that. So yes, the person may very well have wanted to use a comma in that context because he wanted it that way. I'm looking for the essence. I'm drawing out the mere essence of the word, and I'm taking it into my own. So it's quite subjective now when you think about it. What we do is quite subjective. Would you say for all of the work that you created, you could sum up in a few words. Okay, so I'm going to give you the question that came earlier. Four C's, okay? So now poor Jonathan. Yeah. So you could summarize in a few words, and I'm not going to give you a number, a uh, limitation. You could summarize in adjectives the, the, the type of writing and the, and the things that you produce. What would you say they are? No pressure. <laughs> nice. Life. <laughs> oh, so smooth. Yes, life, life. You know, it is. Yeah, seriously, though. You know, uh, life hits you in all of its aspects. Yes, it does. And you know, and so, and so, you try to express them in all their aspects. Yeah. Uh, Connie and I are doing a uh, a book on bereavement poetry, mm. and um, and it's so interesting and inspirational uh, when people people say to us. Oh, that's how how dull, how how horrible. Oh, yeah. it's inspirational. Yeah, life. You know, yeah. we're inspired by by people and people's stories. Yeah. It's not nobody, no writer would say it's always inspirational. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's it's a, it's a way of dealing mm-hmm. with grief that help to help people. I'm glad you mentioned that. And my English Comp 2 course, <clears throat> a final unit is called A Conversation on Death and Dying, A Lyric Perspective. And I introduce to my students this conversation, A, that relates to the topic, but I also select their selection of works that they look at across the canon that reflect and get them to understand, not to understand, it. yes, death is, is final in that sense, but to celebrate the idea of life as a result, because life and death has this very interesting relationship, and they both are codependent of one another. And so why not produce it? And I I can only do it for an advanced comp course, because at the end of the day, I choose to. I just can't. I can't. I choose to, because it is the last class that most students probably will take a composition if they're not going into what we do for a full time or in a career pathway of interest that relates or requires them to take an additional writing course that's non-technical, Okay. And so, and it also is that one point where I can just allow them, I want to have a few messages that resonate with them long after the course is over. And I feel that we all can relate to that in that sense. But this idea of bereavement is very beautiful because I cover that aspect in Dimension 2. And I'll, I'll name some of the folks that I bring in, John Dunn, Emily Dickinson, I've got a couple others, uh, Maya Angelou's in that cut as well, and as well as contemporary our authors. So, um, I'm looking for this work because I'd like to include you both in the set for that upcoming update for the for the unit in the spring, if I could. And so, Jonathan, as we as 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 we look at South Florida Writers Association, I joined two years ago, mm-hmm. and this is a large group. And I always plug us, and Amika plugs us too on her show all the time. So, if you have to describe what is SFWA to you, 
you know, for those who don't know what South Florida Rights Association is, because they hear us talk about it, they know that we're all part of it. What is it? What is this organization to you? Well, here's what it is. It's not one thing. It's, you know, but uh, as um, as Anna was Anna talking about today, day. yeah, it's it's an opportunity, like a writers conference. It's an opportunity to get together and not be alone mm-hmm. and share right. your work with other writers and see what they're doing, and wow, and cheer them on, and then they cheer you on. Camaraderie, and it's so great. You're making friends with other writers, yes. and uh, and you're appreciating their work, and like like these four authors that we're having at the book fair, right? Works all completely different, yeah. but all enjoyable. Yeah, and it's a pleasure, you know. And I figured, and I told Mervin, I said, you know, instead of just having someone who doesn't know us introduce mm-hmm. us, yeah, it's so important for someone who knows. The writer, like, like I agree. Like all of the all of the the guests that I had agree at the meeting. Yeah, I know them personally. That's right. Or I, it's an added value. I get to know I them with him. in the process of inviting them. Yes, and, and it makes it more like a conversation. Exactly. You know, and it's not in a lecture. like a lecture could yeah. be sometimes. It is a conversation of great minds sharing with even greater minds in an audience. And I think that's very critical. I appreciate your saying that because a lot. A lot of times when folks, I remember, and I'm going to share a little secret. When I was at Miami Dade College, I used to be responsible for all the room hosts and introducers for all the events. Oh, really? Yeah, I was under my watch, one of my duties for the week. And so as a result, you get to a point where there are 400 authors. Okay, even if they pair it up in a room or two or three per room, you're still looking at at least 150 people, 150 sets of individuals that need to be introduced. And as one may think, we have all these people in town, and everyone all of a sudden, when it's time to commit, you know what happens. Yep. So it's nice to hear that SSWA, we took ownership fully of the process, and thanks to you, you got us there. But then secondly, we are fully uh, in control of that dialogue, right. which is going to make it more dynamic. I have to say, and I've seen many authors over the years there, but I feel this is going to be a very special occasion because one of us is facilitating. The, the, the problem is... I. I've been there mm-hmm. every year since the yes, beginning. Yes, and and um, and I've seen, you know, this is the yes. It's very stilted, like a robot. It's true. And okay, no heart, no passion. It's like getting done. I'm reading it. It's the same script, and like I think I sponsored. And I contributed to it. I'll be honest because I needed a body. But I, I I appreciate that SSWA. Thank you, Jonathan, for saying that because it's it's us. It, we are the ones facilitating. That means a lot. I, I it's going to make a different experience for you all. I remember a couple of years ago, uh, Ferdy Pacheco mm-hmm. uh, was reading on a panel, mm-hmm. and he said, "I don't want that person to introduce me." Yeah, I, he I, says, I want you to introduce me. So I talked to him. I said, well, "I know him. I'd like to introduce him." And Here's a guy I've known for 15 years, mm-hmm. and I, it's not just a guy. It's, yeah. it's a guy who's won Emmys for hosting boxing, yeah. who's associated with Muhammad Ali. It's a special connection. The guy is so super special. Oh. He's hosted Emmys. He's won other awards. He's won writing awards. You can't just let that go under the wayside. As a king, you know. Right, right. But somebody's got to present him the way he is. Wow. Yeah. 
And the same thing with Michael Hedick when he was reading at the Michael Hedick. Oh, Michael. He was going to have a student who was going to introduce him. Yeah. Because I know him, you know, flesh and blood, you know. Right. Not and, that's, just, and that's very key, and I encourage everyone who's out here, please do come out and, and support us on November 19th. <clears throat> it's going to be a great conversation, and, I, and, and the key word is that, a conversation, and a dialogue among great minds. And there will be a Q&A at the end, and I believe there's a Q&A at the end where folks in the audience are, are welcome the opportunity to contribute. So do, do come out and support us on November 19th from 1803 at 2018 MBFI Miami Book Fair International. There's a question coming in for you. <laughs> this question comes from Robert from Hollywood, Florida. Robert asks, so, Jonathan, have you ever done stand-up comedy? Because you're funny. Someone <laughs> funny? Yeah, because you're funny. Uh, well, no, the only thing I did uh, was I was in a, uh, a group uh, 20 years ago, 20? Yeah, or a little over 20 years so ago. So what was this group called? Um, I'm going to look them up. I'm going to Google it right now. <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> What was the name of the group, John? Can't believe, can't believe the name of the group. Uh, it was a, an improv group. Mm-hmm. And we used to meet at uh, Area Stage Theater on Lincoln Road mm-hmm. at 10.30 on Friday nights. Mm-hmm. After like, most of my friends were going, said, I'm going to go to sleep right there. But one time my, my aunts and my parents came. <laughs> they said way late, later than they usually do. And... Uh, it was, the promise was each act had seven minutes. So the, the good thing was, even if they were horrible, you know at the end of seven minutes, they're gone. <laughs> and do something else, you know. So we started filling up the place. It's called No Shame Theater. Hmm. And, and all like you had to do was come at 10.30 okay. and register, and you're on stage at 11. Boom. So you usually went from 11 to 12.30, and for a while we were packing 49 seats, but packing them in every single week. Oh. It was a great time. And, and we just de- developed a sketch series with the No Shame Players, of which I was one of the original <laughs> No Shame Players, and I also wrote sketches for them. It was a real fun time, and uh, it was the idea was it was like, you come at 10.30. Now, now there's this one guy who did the same bit every, every week. Okay. So we were going to ban him. You know. <laughs> and and, um, and one, one night, the guy, the guy, the lighting wasn't there. So I went up and did the lighting. And I used the, the, the lighting as sort of like a humor thing. When, when it got down to like to a minute, I, I flipped it He's quickly. <laughs> and then I remember this one guy who was reading. Uh-huh. Went over. I shut the lights down on him, and he and he kept reading for another half a minute. And then that, that was a, that was a, a laugh line in the show. I mean, so we had so much fun. The guys, the people who were in the cast, oh, they loved that. Part of the show. And, and then we had a, like I said, a continuing series yeah. called the I Poppy. I Poppy one two three four five and six, written by members of the cast. And it was fun. See, and I, I have to t- say to our that, listeners, that, no, that's, 
Hey, look at this. You brought out this wonderful memory, and if you come out on the 19th, perhaps Jonathan may do a number for you. Too. <laughs> <laughs> right. Well, I want to say thank you, Jonathan, for stepping in, and thank you to all my colleagues at the South Florida Writers Association. Let me allow me to introduce one each of them again. I'd like to do a rundown so you'll know who to expect on November 19th. First is Kara Nusinol and her unrequited loves and other French kisses. Come and see her on our panel, including Steve Liebowitz of Stephra, Dr. Steve Liebowitz, and then Zarina XCJ Spray on Stephra. And lastly, Don Daniels on Rhyme and Punishment, and our facilitator, the amazing Jonathan Rose. And so I'd like to share this. It's been two hours. Wow. We have a live audience here. It's been great. Now, I have to share a couple of things. A couple of things are coming forward this weekend. I think you have a show, Nikkei, right? Oh, not this week. Okay. Not this week. So I want to share this. Anike celebrated about two, three months ago, she celebrated her one-year anniversary show. And I congratulate her so much for that, as well as our girls for the K-pop team. So, there are three shows that come on under the Everyday Folks brand. First is this one, CJ Speaks. And I promise to be a lot better than this in the new year. It has been a very trying year. I, I shared this earlier this year in a previous show. I lost my father back, so, and it was very sudden. And then, so I haven't been around in South Florida Rights Association for some time because of, you know, that. Plus, I'm in the midst of trying to renovate a new house, a 1960 house, which I'm done. And so it's been a very trying year, but a year, and I feel very good. Like, I feel like I'm really looking forward to 2018. And even with the losses I've had this year, I feel so good that this was not the worst year of my life. Very interesting. So at some point, I'll be able to write about it, but it's not happening right now. <laughs> Secondly, our, 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 so our K-pop team. So we have Keep It Up With K-pop. These are former students of mine who are now at the university who are very into Korean pop culture and music. And they have like 10,000 followers on Instagram. And they have all these listeners, and those listeners have obviously come on to our shows, so they're supporting the Everyday Folk platform. And so we have listeners, thanks to our, my show, the BK show, and the K-pop show. We're now drawing a combined listenership from the following nations, United States, of course, where at least 50% of our listenership usually comes. Canada, uh, Toronto in particular, so the, you know, for most of our, our listeners, we have Korea, the Republic of Korea, by the way. China, Europe, the Caribbean Isles, and as well as some other interesting outliers lately, uh, Russia, Iraq, <laughs> Madagascar. Don't and, let them hack us. I'm like wondering, and I'm thinking to myself, this is a great thing, or is it? <laughs> so I thank you from all around the globe, whether you're listening live now or downloading any of our shows, after this show is done, it is archived on iTunes, so you can download it and listen to all of our 108, today is the 108th episode of Everyday Soul, wow. combined of DJ Speaks, and K-pop. The K-pop girls told me to say thank you to Anike for your continued support as well. They broadcast live on the Hunted House three weeks ago, two weeks ago, and so in the press room, so as patrons were exiting the Hunted House, some patients are given a VIP pass to come in for a live interview. They interview the college president, the dean, faculty, parents, babies. Yes, there were babies who were actually in the room, too. And it was a great impression for them. So it was great to see them take ownership in their space because this is a student production. And as a faculty advisor to three organizations on campus, um, 
I'm very grateful to have been a part of their professional growth in their memory. And lastly, I'll share this for you. There's more to come with Everyday Folks BJ Speak Show. Next weekend there will not be a show, but the following weekend thereafter there will be. And I will be tell I will be taping that show early and then broadcasting it live on Sunday, November nineteenth. So I physically won't be taking callers or emails um, on the live show, so there will be no plugs for, for callers or emails. But you may send in any of your questions, comments, and requests once you see the promo for the show later this week. And so we have a lot more coming. I do want to share this. Coming in 2018, there's some exciting things coming for everyday folks. So I'm closing out the year, by the way, by introducing Mitch, Mitch Miguel, who is a very famous public speaker. He has some, he's an entrepreneur. He actually used to work on Wall Street. And now he's going on into this other endeavor. So his assistant reached out to me a year ago. She's a subscriber on my blog and on my website. But she's been following, and finally she reached out to me again about two months ago that Mitch would like to be on your show. So that's coming on December 3rd. And he likes to talk about the gift factor and the things that make us – it's kind of like what you do when you get the passion and the drive, but he wants to look at it from a publisher standpoint because he's found a niche in publishing that he feels that others should buy into. So it's going to be an interesting conversation. And there was an exercise, so Mitch, I promise to do my homework before the show. But if he wants me to do this, so that I can also speak of it on the show, so I'll let you know how that goes. Also coming in January 14th is Raquel Bartoli, who is a motivational speaker, and I've had the pleasure of having her speak as well at the college during Women to Three Month this past year. She was just recently with Alonzo Mourning at an event during the, uh, the summer group um, yeah, yeah. platform. There was something that happened. The summer group. Right. And so she was there, and she just released her latest work. So she'll be discussing with me that as well. And one of my former students coming later that month in January, David, um, David Patrick, he is of Haitian descent, and he wrote an incredible story. He has a story that is a story of all stories. And a story of triumph, and an incredible story of the, of, the, of the American spirit and why this nation is still great to me. And I feel that he will embody that in our conversation as well. So there's some very deep people coming in January. So I need to shake that up as well. So there are going to be some fun things too. Many of you were very interested in our Paranormal Hour. Folks are so done howling for the past few years. I host a Paranormal Hour where people call in and confess their scary stories and things of that nature. It is the second highest show in our ratings. And I, and I, I, I said, folks, I am not a paranormal psychologist or any paranormal investigator. I do not want spirits to come talk to me. I don't, so if you die, do not come to me. Don't visit. If you're going to come, I, you, I'm going to put you to work. Maybe you can cook. You can probably clean the house. Just don't come connect with me in that regard. But all jokes aside, it was a great show, so there's more interest in that, so we've got to work on some things like that. And there is a potential fourth show to add to our Everyday Folks family. And this show has been in some conversations with some select few who are here, and we welcome more. So if you have an interest here, let's invite to be part of our family. Let's have a conversation on the sidelines. And we're looking for great shows that will help celebrate the essence and great, the great minds and individuals that make everyday ordinary people so extraordinary. And that's what everyday folks continues to be supported. And lastly, I'd like to share, I'm holding here, my dear colleague Connie just gave me a wonderful pullout of the 2018 book fair, Building Community, One Reader at a Time Fair Guide. So if you live in Miami and if you get the Herald, 
you get an opportunity to get things like this. And if you are a member of the fair, a friend of the fair, you also get, get some of the perks. And one of those perks is receiving a fair guide. The fair guide is online fully at the Miami um, bookfair.com website. But I have to share, there's some interesting folks who are coming. Do you want to pick up this And it can be picked up on any campus of Miami Dade College. Yes, and any and eight campuses and books and books. Mitch, our dear friend of SSWA. Mitch Kaplan, if you have not visited, there is still value in supporting local stores and artists. I have to tell you, Mitch, has, what he has done is he's brought the idea, because it's still an intimate essence to what, he, what the book, the book and book is. But he's brought it to the 21st century in such a way, but it still keeps it that. But he's also an entrepreneur, and he's forward-thinking, and ensuring that he's reaching and meeting with the times, but still keeping the essence and the culture of what it is that he does. So hats off to you, Mitch. We've had great conversations over the years. One back in February at our writers at our writers conference, um, and our Mangles Writers Conference, by the way, is coming up. Do take a look. Um, we're going to sit. I'll submit that information. You don't have to be a member to join these things, by the way. The South Florida Writers Association does. The South Florida Writers Association does give us an opportunity to invite others. So it's a great PR mechanism and on ramp to other potential members. And so come out and support us. I just want to share this in closing. Thank you so much for all that you've done. This has been an impressive two hours. There are more sessions like this to come, SSWA, rest assured. I'm Billy Jones, author of Everyday Folks Books and the creator of Everyday Folks Radio. Because of you, I do this for all. And lastly, I want to share this. If there are any questions you may have, your, con- your comments, questions, or requests are always welcome. You may do so by reaching me at everydayfolkslisten at gmail. Dot com. That is everyday folks listen at, listen at gmail.com. And check me out on billypauljones.com and Dr. Billy Jones, Billy P. Jones, on Instagram and Twitter. My students tell me that I need to get more engaged. I suck at social media because I'm only on there when I'm promoting something, I'll be honest. So I need to get better at it. I promise in 2018 to get better at it. So with that in mind, check us out. Support SFWA. We'll see you November 19th. Until then, take care of yourself.